This episode might be triggering or confronting for some as it contains conversations around war and talks of violence and crimes against innocent adults and children. Listener discretion is advised. If you need some background as to how the war in Ukraine started, refer back to episode 1, season 2, where I shed some light on the events that led up to this tragedy beginning. Anyone who's ever relocated to another country is familiar with the range of emotions that can come with it, from anticipation, excitement and fun, to disappointment, stress, heartache and sometimes even trauma. I thought perhaps it may happen, but not like a full-scale war, but I was wrong. I, I didn't want to leave, but I had because it was dangerous for my life. Because I'm a teacher of Ukrainian language, I could be killed or even sent to Russia and to be their prisoner, I don't know. This podcast explores the question, what is home? Is it just a place of residence or something more than that? Welcome to the Residence Podcast. When the war in Ukraine had just started, it was impossible to look at any news site or online account without being confronted by imagery and information of this rapidly unfolding nightmare. One thing I did notice, though, was how the personal Instagram accounts of several people I follow who live in the country had transformed into something different altogether. Before the invasion of Ukraine by Russian military, these people used social media to promote their online businesses or as a platform to share their everyday lives with people. What they quickly became, however, was a way for these people, these regular people living regular lives, to raise awareness about the horrors of their new reality. We had explosions all the time, so we had to hide in the basements. For the first week, we had to spend there all the time. We slept there, we ate there, we lived there. Ina Sopranchuk was one of these people. Привіт, привіт. My name is Ina and welcome to my YouTube channel Speak Ukrainian. In today's video, we're going to talk about the easiest way to learn an online Ukrainian teacher who instantly agreed to talk to me about her life as it is today. Like this video and leave your comments under this video. If you my name is Ina. I'm from Ukraine. I'm a native speaker of Ukrainian language. I'm a teacher of Ukrainian language for second language learners. I have an online school, Speak Ukrainian, YouTube channel, and I'm a creator of uh, Ukrainian language materials like textbooks, flashcards, video lessons, courses, and my students are from the whole world. So my goal is to teach people my beautiful Ukrainian language and culture. I have a bachelor degree in English philology, and uh, also, I have a master's degree in translation, so I'm a professional translator, so I'm a linguist. This is a person who um, studies the languages, the grammar, uh, the phonetics and all this stuff. So I'm like a professional person in this kind of sphere. So this is 
what I love to do. She then goes on to tell me about what her life was like before the war began. I had an ordinary life. I um, worked uh, on development my online school. I recorded video lessons for my YouTube channel. I had lessons with my students. I have a team of teachers who work with me and I help them uh, to find new students. I went to gym. I met my husband every day from his work and actually we got married last year in June and we uh, we were very busy for the last uh, eight months with the, our apartment. My husband, he bought an apartment for us and we uh, uh, did a lot of renovation in it. We spent a lot of money. Uh, for buying new furniture to it and we moved at the beginning of February into it this year. We just lived there two weeks and then war came into our motherland and it was so hurtful because we had to leave our place my husband went to war and I had to to leave our apartment and to start surviving in the basement so yeah as was the case with many people in the country events leading up to the invasion had left a feeling of uneasiness of concern but like Inna, many of these people couldn't have predicted how quickly the situation would escalate and how far it would go. I had a feeling, uh, I had a feeling from the beginning of this year that something may happen very serious. Actually, I had a feeling long time ago that the war can happen again and uh, I knew that my husband would go to war and it was very stressful for me and I, I was afraid of it a lot because I didn't know how will I survive by myself. And uh, the day before the war, on the 23rd of February, um, I, I watched the movie with my husband, we cooked the dinner together and um, he said to me why you didn't teach me english because my husband he doesn't speak english at all he speaks only ukrainian and he said he started to complain and said why did you teach me english why why and then he started to, to tell me why you didn't learn to drive the car why you didn't do that why you didn't do that so he started to complain and we even got a little quarrel and i said that's okay, we still have enough time, don't worry, don't worry. But he, he, he felt something for sure. But I believe that it won't happen. I, I thought perhaps it may happen, but not like a full-scale war. But I was wrong, yeah.
beginning in February 24, 2022, in the eastern Ukrainian area of Donbass, Russia launches a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. To date, countless soldiers and civilians have lost their lives to this senseless war, and although Ukraine has put up more of a fight than Putin and the Russian military could have predicted, several towns and cities in the east of Ukraine have still been fully occupied by Russian military. One such place is Kherson, in his hometown, and she was forced to live in this town during the occupation for three weeks under harsh and dangerous conditions. It was occupied in the first weeks and it is still under occupation and there is a huge humanitarian crisis in the whole Kherson region and many villages are out of gas, uh, food, electricity, water for a month, even more. So it's, it's disaster. It's a total disaster. Kherson is occupied. It is uh, fully under control of Russian troops. And um, there is a very big uh, humanitarian crisis in the city. People are out of food, out of medicine, out of everything. And uh, it, the situation is very bad and critical. And I fled from Kherson three weeks ago. Uh, but even at the beginning of the march, when I was there and the whole march, it, the situation was very bad. And uh, it was impossible to buy any good food there. So um, when we went to the supermarket, we had to stand in a line for three hours and inside of the shops there were no any good food no any milk products meat no any fish uh no any fruit vegetables so you just could buy some chips uh maybe cola and that's it so no any good food yes yes it was uh, very dangerous because um there were a lot of Russian soldiers on the streets, so it was dangerous to go out, especially if you're a woman, you can't walk by yourself. And we had to follow the rules. Um, and uh, also, uh, we had explosions all the time, so we had to hide in the basements. For the first week, we had to spend there all the time. We slept there, we ate there, we lived there. And there weren't any conditions, you know, in the basement. You can go to the toilet, normal, normal way. You can take a shower, you can drink hot tea, anything. So it was bad. But then we, we came back to live in the apartment, but we had to sleep in the corridor on the floor because in case of the big explosions, you can be dam damaged by the um, glass from the windows, you know. Uh, it was very so the most the safest place in the house or in apartment is, is the corridor because uh, there are no windows there and uh, so we slept there and we lived there and it was forbidden and actually it was much safer to turn off the light when it was already dark because we don't want to show Russians that we are here in this apartment because you can see that you are there and they can shoot directly into your window. So all the time we, we spent a lot of time without the lighting, we just 
turn it off and we close the windows with a uh, we close the windows all the time uh, so we spent all the times all the time in the darkness there weren't there wasn't any light in the apartment so we lived uh, this kind of life there in Kherson. So we, I, I, I couldn't go out for a week, for example. I had to, to stay in the apartment all the time. So it was um, difficult because I felt that, like I'm out of energy all the time. I want to sleep all the time. I don't have energy. I don't have strength because I don't go out. I can't see the light. I can't see the, I can't smell the fresh air. And, uh, and because of that, I felt a little bit weak and I wanted to sleep all the time. And I wanted to eat all the time because we didn't, we, we didn't have enough food. How would you get food and supplies? How did you do that? Uh, we had a friend, male friend, who tried to get some food for us. And uh, my friend's parents, they uh, live in the private house. So they had some um, storage. They had some food uh, in their uh, fridge. And they have uh, like chickens, pigs. So they had homemade food, you know. So her parents brought us homemade food and our friend male friend he uh got some food for us so here how we survived inna explains to me in more detail just how dangerous it was for women specifically in her son and in every occupied region in ukraine and why this is the case Yes, because they can just rape you. You know that uh, in the occupied uh, uh, region, there are no any policemen, no any law. Law doesn't work at all. So you can, you can be just raped and killed. And, and that's it. <laughs> I don't know if it is happening in my region. I think it happened for sure, but you may heard what happened in Bucha. Bucha is a small town just outside of Kyiv that in April 2022 became famous around the world when graphic images of a massacre were released after Ukrainian forces were able to liberate the region. What emerged were pictures of bodies strewn across muddy streets amidst the rubble of destroyed houses and burnt out military vehicles. Many of these victims had been bound by the hands and executed and were proven to be civilians. Many women, kids, small girls, boys were wrapped by Russian soldiers. It's just so horrible. Uh, when I read this news, I felt very bad about it. I couldn't. I couldn't uh, feel feel good for a long time after this was they were shocking. Yeah, horrible shocking. You okay to continue? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, okay. 
how in when you were in Kherson, how did you it must have been this must have been almost impossible, but is there is there any way that you is there anything that kept you going? Anything that made you think that maybe like how did you survive? I mean, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, like uh so uh it was difficult for sure but i wasn't alone i was i was with my friends and i was very happy to be with them uh because if i was alone it could be very bad of course but i was together with them and uh, with the kids and with the dog my friend's dog so i felt very good with the kids, with the dog. I had to play with them, uh, to talk to them, to make them happy, entertain them, because it was very shocking for kids and for animals too. So it was a very good distraction to be around them. And also I saw the the strong spirit of my nation and it inspired me so much to keep living, keep working and i was in shock for the first two weeks i couldn't work i couldn't do anything but after the two weeks i was able to come back to my work and i started to teach ukrainian again i started to launch my course to take a group of students to record video lessons on my youtube channel and uh, it helped me a lot and i saw that people needed people want to learn ukrainian and uh, i was distracted with all these things and they helped me to to be <laughs> to be alive to be strong to stay strong yes eventually inner has no option but to escape and she did so in a car with several people she knew uh i just got a call from my husband and he said that i need to flee because it is dangerous to stay there and uh, i just fled together with my uh, friends uh, because people from Kherson, they started to to flee. And I think 50% of the inhabitants left because it is dangerous to stay there. And uh, of course, um, I, I didn't want to leave, but I had because it was dangerous for my life because I'm a teacher of Ukrainian language and of course, Russians wouldn't love that. And, you know, um, I could be killed or even sent to Russia and to be their prisoner. I don't know. So, you know, it's dangerous. Re- really? Is that is that really possible these days? Yes. Wow. Uh, because uh, <clears throat> this is what happened with Ukrainian teachers. Uh writers, poets, artists for many centuries. Russians tried to kill them, to send them uh, to prison. So this is uh, this is what happened here for a while. And I realized that the history repeated itself. And of course, uh, people who because they start, um, there are volunteers in Kherson who helped people with the food, with medicine, and Russians started to kidnap them. So these people started to disappear. Uh, so you know that uh, because I started to give interview to 
uh, different social media, foreign social media, and of course, uh, I I uh, told you the truth on Instagram. So of course they wouldn't like it. So I was afraid to stay there longer. And my husband say, "Is it not safe? Please, please flee." So because just... because of these things on social media and and yeah, because all all the stuff. Because I'm alone. I was there without my husband, without my parents. I was just with my friends, with the female friends. So what could I do? What could they do? Nothing. You know, <laughs> so of yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, I understand. Yeah, okay. Um, so you just your f- a friend called you and and you so you and you were able to flee. So did you did you go by car? Did you go? Yes, by car. 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 Yeah. Yes, we just sat in the car and just flee. Just five five of us. It was very, it was very scared because we had to cross uh, five Russian road blocks, and I saw them with the rifles. They were in masks. They search our luggage. They ask the questions, check the documents, smartphones. So of course, it was very scary. <laughs> the Russian yes. soldiers did all this. Yes. After the frightening experience of having to flee the town she loved and the new home she had just started to build, she arrived safely in the west of Ukraine where she was taken in by some close relatives. They just gave me the place where I can be and work and so on. And um, I just stayed here. They connected with some volunteers and they gave me some clothing, uh, like hygiene things like shampoo soap so whatever i had whatever i needed for normal life what is home to someone who doesn't even know what tomorrow brings who wants to stay where they are but has seen it occupied destroyed and transformed in a matter of weeks i can't plan anything because i'm not sure what will happen next so i'm just leaving working a lot um do some sport and that's it and i can't have any plans i'm just waiting uh if the Kherson will be uh, liberated i will come back there if not i will stay here as much as i can if the situation will become worse and they will attack the whole U- ukraine again maybe with some chemical weapons or whatever then i will have to immigrate abroad so i i just have i don't have any plans i'm just waiting and that's it because you don't know what will happen i can't plan anything i don't have uh i don't have any choice right now i'm just waiting and see what will happen next i can't I can't plan to go somewhere, I can't plan vacation, I can't plan to do something. So I'm just leaving this uh, condition of just waiting something. Right after this interview, it felt almost as if I understood less what Ukrainians were experiencing. 
simply because bringing me closer to it and speaking to inner made me realize that I have absolutely nothing to compare it to. But in the days after our conversation, when I was either walking around the city or doing simple everyday things, I tried to imagine my surroundings looking just like parts of Ukraine does now and tried to imagine how that would make me feel and how that would make my friends and loved ones feel. One thing that does seem to lift Inner's spirits a bit at the end of the interview is seeing the Ukrainian coat of arms on a hoodie I show her that was bought from her online fundraising project. I've got this one. Thank you so much for supporting. What's your welcome in in Ukrainian? Budlaska. 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 I almost said Prosha because in Polish it's Prosha. As I was in her son and I uh, really realized and felt what it's like to be in the um, in the this humanitarian catastrophe and I knew that uh, you don't have enough food, you feel hunger because you didn't eat enough. Uh, and I saw a lot of messages from my friends on social media that many people are suffering, especially women with kids, old people, disabled people, and I wanted to help them somehow. So I, and I saw that some of my friends, they organized the volunteering hubs from their business. One mm-hmm. of my friends, she's a photographer and she has also a coffee shop. So coffee shop, so she made a volunteer hub from her coffee shop. And another friend, she's a journalist and she also helps people a lot. She organized her volunteering organization there in her son. They are very brave. These women, they are very brave, believe me, because they risk their life. And I decided to run a project charity online store is called buy a t-shirt save ukraine life and i decided that all profit i will send to these girls and help people who are in need because um many people are suffering and many people they maybe they would like to flee but they can't because they don't have a car they don't have money they are staying with the small kids or with their old parents who are ill for example or their relatives they say we are not going to leave and they stay with them so there are a lot of many stories and many people are sick right now or they need some medicine it is so difficult to get it so these girls they very brave and i'm very happy that i have an opportunity to help them financially so i send money every day to them and they send me pictures uh, like report where the where did, did they uh, send this money uh, and how much food and vegetables, fruit and medicine they bought. So I'm very happy to help them. Inna, like many people in this brave and inspiring country, has had to look inward to find home. And it lies with her people, her husband, her hopes for this nightmare to end in her passion for her students and the language she loves speaks and teaches every day to countless inspired learners around the world thank you thank you very 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 much uh thank you too i'm very happy that i can um, teach people ukrainian from the whole world i'm very happy that many people support us 
and uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to talk to you and to tell the truth and to share my experience. And I hope the war will end soon and we will live all in peace and in a safe place. Thank you for tuning into Residence. If you want to grab a hoodie, t-shirt, a cap, or any other merchandise to support in its projects, head over to her Instagram account at speak underscore Ukrainian underscore language. Also, if you want to help spread the word about stories like this, go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Tune in next time for another adventure on the Residence Podcast.